Hi, it's Liam Ford, founder and CEO of The Zone, and this is The Zone Podcast. And I must say, our next guest, Richard Webb, has to be one of the most interesting guests we've had on for a while in the entrepreneur's space. His business, uh, Catalyze, is just at the forefront of unlocking success for the new entrepreneurs in the world. And his his views on what that looks like, how to scale it, and where the world's going are, are truly, truly worth listening to. So buckle up, uh, get your walking shoes on, or put your AirPods in and have a listen in the car, and learn something new. Hi everyone, I'd like to welcome Richard Webb to the Zone podcast and you know uh, I've been looking forward to talking to Richard for some time now because he runs a very interesting business called Catalyzed which is all about providing source of human capital, financial capital and strategy for the next generation of entrepreneurs and I know that wasn't a straight line for you getting to Catalyze, Richard so I'd love to hear a bit about a, what you do, but B, how you got there and, and some tips. Well, thank you very much, Liam. It's lovely to be here and it's, it's great to see you again as well. Um, and thank you for inviting me on today. But um, uh, to, to step back into um, our interesting eight-year journey of Catalyze, um, I have, uh, as, as people may or may not know, I have six children who've all um, grown up to become entrepreneurs and um, are living in various cities and various countries around the world right now. But eight years ago, after selling my 10th company, um, they suggested that I spend the next phase of my life working on helping the ecosystem of the next generation of entrepreneurs, and more importantly, to address the high failure rates of, of young entrepreneurs and um, helping them uh, navigate the, the very difficult phases of the journey of, of getting a, a new business off the ground. The first two of our eight years, we spent um, understanding the problem. And it's always a good way to start a business is to understand exactly what the problem is. And, and the, the outcome of the problem was that 90% of most ventures fail before their fifth birthday. And if innovation is our greatest chance of survival, um, we're going to have to get those failure rates down. <laughs> and so <laughs> we set out to address what we found to be this high level of failure. And in doing so, we came up with a, a novel and somewhat unique way of, of addressing that with entrepreneurs. And that is largely um, commercialization strategies, commercialization um, support and implementation. So we are a, a direct sales force around the world. And last but not least, five sources of financial capital. So most investors come in as a source of capital, but we also provide revenue, corporate sponsorships, debt, and equity as well. So those are that's that's our business today. We have um, currently thirty-five portfolio companies and a team of eighty-two people in twenty-one cities in all continents now, and we have a plan to grow to about two hundred people in by the end of 23 and um, grow our portfolio company base to about a hundred by then as well. And that's currently our business um, uh, growth plans right now. We've, we've learned uh, 
huge amount over the last eight years. And um, yeah. obviously the, the young entrepreneurs that we're meeting with now um, uh, certainly are benefiting from everything we've learned over the last eight years. Why don't you share a couple of those things that you've learned and then maybe tell us a couple of stories about the entrepreneurs in your in your ecosystem? Well, um, we should we should start a little bit about um, what we look for in entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. uh, most entrepreneurs are, are, are fascinated and, and always are wondering what is the thesis of the investor or the consultant or the support network and what you know, why would would they work with me and why would I work with them? And so we started our thesis with humankind um, and more specifically its ability to avoid extinction and its ability to live a better life. And, um, and therefore we holistically set and worked through what we thought were humankind's needs as opposed to their wants. And mm. we neatly build up our thesis around Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And obviously from physiological needs all the way up to self-actualization, we have a practice around shelter. We have a practice around food. We have a practice around clothing. We have a practice around health and safety. So all of our practices generally start with um, what are the major problems facing humankind in each of those needs? And how can, um, how can the entrepreneurs of the future solve those problems? Once we've um, settled on a, a, you know, a fascinating problem that needs to be solved and we, we, we find entrepreneurs that are well-suited to solve those problems, we're largely a support network. We're, we are here to support those entrepreneurs in their journey with human capital and financial capital so they can get from where they are today to a, a, a position where they have a very sustainable business that is driven you know by strong commercialization strategies and what we've learned over the years is that um, having a very strong purpose is important mm -hmm. we've also learned that um, a successful business is a movement and considers all stakeholders not just shareholders and so we've largely adopted a new concept of introducing stakeholder agreements as opposed to pure shareholder agreements to our new ventures. Mm. So uh, an employee or a customer or a supplier is equally as important as a shareholder. And as we've um, witnessed lately with, I, I, I don't mean to say to pick on Qantas, but Qantas would be a fun company to pick on right now. We have a, we have a CEO that disregarded employees, disregarded customers, as everyone has probably read about, at the expense of uh, you know a massive share buyback and, and obviously supporting the shareholders. He recently delivered a $2.8 billion loss to those shareholders as well. So, and that has materially affected the share price. So you could argue that without thinking holistically of all stakeholders, and you just focus on shareholders, you don't have ultimately a sustainable business. We ask yeah. all entrepreneurs, what are, what, what are they doing for each of the stakeholders? Because no movement can sustain itself without all stakeholders being well regarded and well taken care of. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things we learned really early on. And the second thing we learned early on was that pure investor capital um, is, is not the the perfect source of capital. You actually want a mix of different sources of financial capital. Right. Um, and you want to spread the risk among those uh, various stakeholder sources of capital. And you'll find that every one of those stakeholders, if you are truly building a movement, will all support you 
and want you to succeed. <laughs> and that's the most important thing about a business is you want everyone supporting you to succeed. So that was the other thing we learned. I would say that the last fundamental thing we learned about the structure of the organizations that do solve problems, that as we enter this new world of uh, individual sovereignty, we call it the age of the individual, skills for success will be creativity and collaborative as opposed to command and control. And so therefore we look for people that can be creative and can be quite collaborative. We also believe that there are some interesting new skill sets and core competencies of the, of the corporation of the future. And we've kind of settled on, on three interesting roles that are emerging in this, this more collaborative, creative uh, world that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. um, most ventures need a mover, a curator and experts. <laughs> And the mover is, is someone that is constantly aware and engaged with the, the various stakeholders of the business. The right. curator, affectionately in the, in the old parlance, may be the COO, is cleaning up after the mover generally <laughs> and making sure that the wheels stay on the wagon. And then the experts um, are the people that bring, you know, you know, subject matter expertise in a whole array of areas, functional expertise, commercial expertise that bring that to the party. And so when we look at a, um, a company, once we've gotten over the hurdle of the importance of the problem solving and the team's credentials to solve that problem and maybe the uniqueness of their solution, we then start looking at organizational design and did they have the right people to the role. We use as an example, um, Apple 1.0, as mm. an example, where the company had two founders, one was a mover and one was an expert, <laughs> the two Steves, they were both fired. The business almost went bankrupt. But in reflection, Steve Jobs, to his credit, recognized that a nerdy 37-year-old supply chain manager at Compact Computer would be a nice addition to the team. <laughs> and, um, and the rest is history. I think Tim Cook has been a phenomenal curator of that business and, and has, yeah. has uh, is largely responsible for bringing that together. Well, it's interesting if you contrast yeah. <laughs> Qantas with uh, Patagonia and what, what Yvonne did recently. Yes. Give uh, his company away. I mean, that's yes. amazing. Liam, I, I did post the article the other day, yeah, on my LinkedIn profile. And I have to say, I'm so impressed with him. And we've done work with Shabani as well, the, the yogurt we, we think there are huge social ventures that have truly embraced all stakeholders and more importantly, the sustainability of humankind. And um, I think the founder of Patagonia has done a hugely, immensely amazing job. Hopefully yeah. the rest of the world will take note. Well, also, I mean, I think, you know, his, he, he also was very tuned into the stakeholders need for mental health when he, he wrote that book, Let Them Go Surfing. And he said, look, you know, if you're not in the right mental state and you're just burning out, that's that's not what I stand for. So he was always invested deeply into into his humans, you know, and as well as well as the business. So it was it's a great, inspiring story. So tell us a story about, you know, is there someone in your ecosystem that you could, you know, maybe not have to name it, but is there someone in the ecosystem who you really feel like? Yeah. Yeah, embraced this whole mindset about creativity and collaboration, which is one of my big things myself. I mean, 
you know, when we talk to companies, they often ask about the competitive advantage, which is fine. But then I go, well, what's your collaborative advantage? Because if you don't have one of those, you're not going to have a competitive advantage. It's interesting. Almost every entrepreneur starts with, I'm sitting in a field by myself, slaying dragons left and right. And <laughs> they largely find themselves um, not competing, but wrestling and, and navigating um, and muscling uh, their way through the plethora of support networks that are actually there for them. But they feel sometimes they feel under attack by those those exact support networks. What we hear frequently from what I'd consider to be more closed-minded entrepreneurs is, I have to build my team. A full-time team is important. They'll be more dedicated to me. They'll, um, you know, I, I will form almost um, a virtual indentured servitude relationship with a full-time employee that full-time employee would never work on any other projects outside of the company because I'm paying them a salary. And what, we, what we've found when, when an entrepreneur gets in that mode, they actually are, are now, um, they're largely struggling with this idea that they're paying someone for their time as opposed to their outcomes. And, right. and therefore, they're struggling with how do I get more outcome out of time? And that means micromanaging someone and, and you can see where it starts to spiral. So what yeah. we, we start immediately and say, we're a support network. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help you launch your, your product in Germany. Trust that we'll get you to cash flow positive. But when we're cash flow positive and you need a full-time country manager, we'll help you recruit that person, train that person, and it's your business. So let us de-risk your entrance into a new country. That's the way we've looked at it. Okay. Now, um, most entrepreneurs have, have felt that's a struggle for them, but now they're starting to see, oh, I get this. All of a sudden, overnight, I've got an 80-man company that, um, that everyone's helping me, and you know, I don't have a full-time you know, overheads over those 80 people. They're, they're largely here to support me uh, with an outcome, with, with some measure of an outcome. The people in our team that love to help the entrepreneurs um, love the diversity of working on three or four projects mm. simultaneously. So I think that's what we've learned is they've learned that if, if they're sitting in a commercial role and they're, they're knocking on the door of a company that could, could buy one of the products, that, that same company could be buying the other two products as well. So yeah. um, there's, a, there's a lot more scalability in, in that. And so... So the people that join us are largely people that have um, have left the corporate world that are, are are looking to you know build their own practice, their own, um, and get involved in the innovation ecosystem and, and love the energy of the ecosystem. So mm -hmm. um, as far as people on the journey, I would say um, most people think because it, they've been uh, raised this way to be a successful entrepreneur, I need to write a good pitch deck and get an investor to invest in my business. Then I start worrying about customers. <laughs> and, um, and as I have enough money, then I can hire full-time employees that I can control. Right. And right. we tell them that that's why we fail 90% of the time. So yeah, yeah, it's a backward strategy, right? Oh my God. If you can't sample up a couple of products, that, that are doing well in your portfolio. So just so that the listeners can ground it in yep. something real for them. 
Okay, so we have um, a company in Lugano, Switzerland right now that has developed an amazing integrated e-commerce CRM uh, platform for what I call small businesses mm -hmm. that has now built, because they've linked HubSpot and Shopify and everything together into a single platform, they can now run AI and a virtual assistant over the top of that. By implementing an e-commerce store on this platform, they can talk to their assistant and the assistant can tell them how many items are sold that day. This assistant now is recommending what kind of campaign to run next month, where we may have an imbalance of inventories. We've learned that this campaign works really well with this type of product and this campaign works with that type of product. They're right in the middle of um, a, an extensive launch right now in, in Malaysia right now. So we've got a, a big team in Malaysia launching the product. So you know, who would have said that um, a Swiss company is now in Malaysia, but they've had a huge response there and we'll be bringing them to this part of the world. We're going to bring them into the U.S. as well. And we've got a number of our team members that have put their hand up to be um, implementers, not only um, obviously the commercialization aspect, but actually true implementers and partners with um, with the companies that want to use them. So, wow. so that's one of, one of the companies that we have. We have another company, uh, a neuroscientist in Boston, which has developed an amazing platform for improving the effectiveness of of, of therapy and how uh, therapy can be twenty four by seven as opposed to a, a one hour consultation a week or a month or whatever the frequency of those consultations. So it, it's a more engaged consultation. We are working also in this part of the world, a massive food practice where we're working on regenerative farming, polycropping, uh, in, uh, vertical farm, uh, inside vertical farm, which are gonna be much more resistant to climate change. We're working with black soldier flies and other entomology to reduce um, the impacts of landfills. Mm. Um, we have a, a project in Estonia right now working with the University of Tartu on a new hydrogen electrolyzer, which is twice as efficient as current electrolyzers, which will allow us truly to realize green hydrogen. I would say that we're working on everything from you know, sustainable energy to food, to shelter, you name it, where we seem to be coming across, you know, a whole range of things. And I have to say, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get to meet some of the most amazingly interesting creative people. Fantastic. Well, yeah, that really grounded it. I'm sure, you know, from a, yeah. from a, listener, a listener and audience point of view, if they wanted to, let's say they're thinking, wow, Richard's podcast has really inspired me. I've always wanted to do this. How early in the idea phase do you pick people up? I mean, how far have they got to have got to before they can come and knock on your door? Because I'm imagining you're not you're not cheap, but I'm, I'm imagining you're not expensive either. So, you know, how yeah. does that all work? Exactly. So we actually are working with three phases or four, actually four phases. I, I could argue that the large end of time as well. We do work with what we would consider to be high potential concepts. So concepts are pre-product, pre-revenue, incredibly considered solution to a problem and a team that could deliver that. And a team in that case has to come with a little bit of funding. They cannot, uh, you know, have an idea in the shower this morning and, hey, I've got this great yeah. idea, but 
will you will you do everything will you do everything for us so it's it's a partnership we also work with universities and here in australia csiro and and major research facilities we work on prototypes so these are post-product pre-revenue validated idea not commercially but validated its functionality may have a patent associated with it and we're helping th those entities take what are amazing inventions and take them to commercial entities and in the in both those cases in the concept stage and prototype stage depending on the the people that are involved we are setting up generally brand new companies and in some cases we've been asked to supply the uh, catalyze has actually supplied the, the first ceo so if someone has an idea and they're looking for someone to get, get something going, they may still be in a day job. And, and we have a lot of that. We have people that are still in day jobs mm. um, and not ready to quit their day job. So they want to kind of de-risk the journey and, and we're ideally suited for that. We also do the, what I call the bread and butter is the traditional venture, post-product, post-revenue. Generally in that, I would say half million to $50 million a year in sales that are looking to take their their idea into new markets around the world. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, we've executed a number of trade sales with some of our ventures. Uh, the large end of town, uh, the big enterprises that have acquired some of the businesses have invited us in to help them with some of their innovation strategies and how, how they can better do things. And in some cases, we will work with enterprises to help them establish their own corporate venture fund. We'll help them set up their own incubation labs, how they will engage internal and external entrepreneurs. Great. So well, you've got, you've got the bases covered, man. <laughs> you've got the bases covered. <laughs> yes. You know, is there any tips for, you know, people that are saying, hey, you know, I'd love to leave my day job at some point. I've got this amazing idea. I, you know, I have a deep passion for it. it has its purpose driven. It fits into Richard's, you know, portfolio. Yes. <laughs> and it, can they, can yeah. they, is there anything they can read or any, anything that you've got on your website that they can, that gives them some yes. sort of hey, tips and tricks about before you come to us, tick these boxes or how does that work? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what we, we ask everyone to do, and there's a, a nice um, apply here button on the front of our page, right. we ask everyone to, and it only takes probably five minutes, kind of outline the problem they're solving, mm -hmm. uh, its uniqueness, and, and why they're passionate about solving the problem. We are big believers that entrepreneurs have to have a compelling purpose or reason to solve the problem as well, or they will lose interest and quit. And we, we want people that will keep doing it. So if, if an entrepreneur comes to us and says, my, my, my mother has died from, you know, obscure disease and I want to solve this problem and I'm going to do it no matter what happens to me. Um, that's, we want to see that kind of passion that, that people yeah. are really invested in a problem. If people come to us and say, listen, I, I think I can become a billionaire and, and I could, if I did this, and the first thing we would say is one, it's not a purpose that I think you're going to get a lot of people, you know, supporting, <laughs> you yeah. just want to be a billionaire, you know, the quick flip or, you know, I can game the system and I can make a quick buck. You know, that's where we would politely say, no, we don't understand uh, what they're doing. And we would argue that it will end in disappointment because Mm. They will probably not become a billionaire and, and they're not going to engage all the stakeholders. 
No, so I, I think what you're saying there is a self-serving strategy is not a great purpose. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because because then it becomes all about yeah. me, right? It's all about me and what I've got, me and mine and yeah. <laughs> my this, rather than, as you say, that yes. natural uh, ability to collaborate, uh, to get away from command and control and take a yeah. few risks and be agile. That's fantastic. Yeah. How are people, two things, because I know we're sort of coming up on time and, and I know your time's valuable and we like to keep it to a nice listening yes. uh, time. What's a, what's one thing, one thought that you haven't shared already that you could leave us with or leave the listeners with? And then number two is how the hell do we get hold of you? Because it sounds like, you know, everybody in the world needs to get onto your platform and, and be helped. And if you're looking to grow, but you're growing other people at the same time. It's a it's a win win for them. It's a win win for you, and it's a win win for the planet and yes. for our communities and the problems we have to solve. So yes. I can't see any downside. I guess I could, I could leave with our thoughts about kind of where the world's going, what you should be doing to prepare for this kind of new um, paradigm that has accelerated thanks to the pandemic. And that is that we truly believe the world is headed toward 8 billion corporations of one, 8 billion prosumers. And you will either be a mover, a curator, or an expert in that journey. And if you are an expert, you may support 10 movements. Um, you don't mm. have to settle into one of those movements, but you could you will have the, the ability to support many people going forward. With that comes the concept that we will be each individually sovereign and in control of our destiny, as opposed to, to at the mercy of some corporation that we may have historically worked for. And that comes with it. Um, a bigger challenge for the world, in my opinion, is our ability to collectively operate as a society. And I think I think what you're finding right now is is this push-pull relationship between my desire for individual sovereignty and my and my desire to um, to support a better society. We've seen that <laughs> we've seen uh, what happens when um, the UK wants to leave Europe or or Scotland wants to leave the UK, and ultimately we're all leaving each other. And the U.S. could end up with a civil war and we could have 51 countries out of the whole thing. But I look at this and say, this is the this is our belief to be individually sovereign and control our own destiny. At the same time, we can't lose sight of the fact that we have to live on this planet together. And so we have to have new norms in a world where we all are individually sovereign on how we are going to collectively work as a team so we don't um, destroy our own <laughs> our own, you know, existence on this planet in the meantime. So mm. I would say to everyone, you will all be an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and you will all own your own company, whether you like it or not in the next 10 years. The question is, what do you want to be doing? Do you want to be so supporting um, other people's movements? Do you have your own movement in mind? What do you want to do with your life? Right. Yeah. Wow, that's a great way to end. And, and it's, um, and it's so yeah. true. I've always found in, in building strong teams that you you want to have a, a high degree of individual sovereignty because, you know, the two axes is, am I aligned with the mission fully, truly? Yes. Am I aligned with it? And then am I prepared to take personal accountability yes. Yes. to deliver on that? And you have to have both. So it is, 
that that tension yes. between the we and the me and that's what that's funny enough what we call the zone yes. which is that collective alignment or collective yes. intelligence and then the ability to execute and do your part and and be supported through that because you're not always going to be perfect but you're certainly going to be um, moving forward and creating momentum so yeah. that's fantastic well, uh, Richard, this has been, I mean, look, I could talk yes. to you for another few hours and I'm coming to Sydney next week. So you never know, I might call in for a beer. Um, but um, well, we'd love to catch up. Yeah, I'm around. So yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I might just uh, catch up with you. How do people get in touch with you? I mean, what's your website and how do they get in touch with you? And I know you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, the best way to reach us is, is through our website, um, mm -hmm. which is Catalyze com or C-A-T-A-L-L-Y-Z-E dot com. And that's an interesting reason why we, we spell the company that way and everything else, but that was the only way we could register what is a, a, a largely a common word or a common verb. Yeah. Um, but on, if you go to Catalyze.com with two L's, um, you, can, um, you can apply. We'd also say that if you are interested in becoming an expert in supporting the next wave of entrepreneurs, um, mm -hmm. we'd love you to join us as well. And so there are a couple of, of tabs on the site. You can join the Catalyze movement and help many startups all over the world, or you can um, you can come as an entrepreneur with your own um, idea, venture, or solution to a problem. Oh, that's right. fantastic, because I know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast from around the world. So like you, I've worked in uh, 35 different countries around the world. So I have a lot of listeners and um, there's a lot of people that are in, in roles now that feel passionate about something and they really want to, to make a difference and make an impact and they want it to be sustainable. So it sounds like it could be a, a marriage made in heaven. So Richard, thank you very much yeah. again. Thanks no, for your great. time. Well, thank and you very much, Liam. Yeah, and uh, I'll uh, we'll, we'll look right. forward to seeing uh, some uh, of the amazing results from some of the these new entrepreneurs that are coming through. Thank you very much, Sam. Well, I must say that was a fascinating call and unexpected. Just such a wealth of knowledge in the area of entrepreneurism and how to actually take your venture and scale it and how to be more successful and how to get out of the old mindsets of the ways of that creates 90% of the failures. So like me, I hope you took a lot of notes. I hope you took a lot of insight away from that call. And I hope you'll reach out to Richard and his team if you've got one of those amazing, impactful ideas. And as you know, the zone is all about creating exceptional leaders, exceptional teams and exceptional organizations by making them more human. So reach out anytime. Ciao for now.